Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. We have a very special guest today, Chris Mauk. Uh, I, I keep on mispronouncing her name. It's one of those names that the more you look at it, the more you don't know how to pronounce it. Chris Mauga. <laughs> She's a great producer, great friend. She works extremely hard in the, the movie industry. So we want to talk to her today and, and see what she's up to and, and how well she's doing. How's your week been? Have you watched any shows? Any movies? I ask that every time because I, I love to watch movies and shows. I'm always watching something brand new. Right now I'm finishing up my, uh, my season of Shira. I watched Shiro when I was young. I wanted to watch Shiro again. I thought it was great. <laughs> but I will tell you about... I filmed a, uh, I went to go see last night. And that was... Terminator Dark Fate. That was a really, really bad movie. Now, there's not going to be any spoilers here. But that's a bad movie. If you're considering that they went after the first film to the second film and then they're going to this film. So that's what the timeline is. That's that's the the timeline justification. It was horrible. I walked the, I walked out of the theater stunned. <laughs> Just stunned. And the hard part is a lot of you have not seen it yet, so it's very difficult to explain to you why it's a bad film. Um, if you were a, a, a fan of the first and second film, I would I would say give it a shot. But it's like four out of ten. Easy. The action was there. I don't know, just. It felt like it was off by a, by by a couple inches. It, it felt like it was made by somebody who loved the Terminator franchise but didn't quite understand how to make a Terminator film, like the tension and, and the, the the audacity of the first film. It's like it, it was very patient. The action was kind of slow, slow to build up, and that's the way that flowed. So that film, those films are fantastic. This film does not do that. It's not patient at all. It goes from one second to full kablammy within the next. So I was, I walked out of there fairly disappointed. I thought I was going to walk out just being like, oh, that, was a, that was a pretty good film. Or that was a good film they had it wrong. That's what I was prepared for. I was not prepared for this film is not good at all. So Terminator Dark Fate, I'm not a gigantic fan. If you want to give me a call and let me know something else, you can. 515-602-9609. I appreciate all of your uh, opinions. Uh, I don't think anybody's opinion is going to change on this one, though. Went to AFM this week, selling a friend of mine mine's film, 
at AFM, American Film Market. It's a hotel room over here in Santa Monica. I, not a hotel room, but a hotel itself. It's low, the Lowe's Hotel. Place is gigantic. It's got some big stars in there, and it's, it's a nice place. It's really nice, but it's it it goes to show you how much and how many films there are out there. I don't know if you you can even call them movies anymore. I think media is really the best word you can use. You know, now that I'm talking about AFM, we have Chris on the phone. Let's 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 get her in here. Let's talk to her about movies and and. Uh, a lot of things that happens in the movie industry, and she'll know. Chris, are you, are you there? I'm here. How are you? Hey. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Everybody's just clapping for you. How are you doing, girl? <laughs> I'm well. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're just talking about movies. We're just talking about AFM, and I thought, it, you know, what better time to bring you on the radio is, is right now. Um, you know, I came back from the from the Sholo Film Festival, and everybody knew you, which was hilarious yeah. to me. And then when I would watch a movie, I would see your name crawl uh, up the line. It was it was it was really it was really one of those hilarious moments. So tell me, how did you get your start in producing in in Hollywood? Um, you know, kind of by accident. Um, I've been, I've always been doing like, um, creative work within the industry in some avenue, whether it be like, uh, I was a model scout manager, um, photography, uh, would do, um, scouting for locations. Well, I see that. Like, like that. you do, you do everything. I mean, when I, when I look at your IMDb, I mean, it's, it's a litany. It's a list of, of, of what to do. In Hollywood. So how did you how did you start off in this entire thing to get you into this point? I mean, obviously, you're naming off a, a lot of things there. Um, well, like I so I, still, I was in the industry many years ago, um, took a huge break, didn't know I was going to even come back into this industry until my daughter um, decided she wanted to be an actress. Ah. And yeah, so when she was um, on a few different sets. And we did, you know, indie films. Um, there's always a need for some assistance in the indie industry. Right. And I just had some of the capabilities to fill those spots where I could see they needed help. And from right. there, um, I pretty much just went straight into producing. Let's, let's specify into there. What, what are those capabilities? Because I don't think a lot of people know what producers do. I think they, they I think they admire them, see them from afar. Often they'll see them as needlers who get involved when they shouldn't get involved. But I don't, I don't think a lot of people really know what a producer does. What What do you do? Producer's kind of the manager of the film, but um, it's also filling spots. So right. seeing where there's a problem, because there's always going to be an issue on set, and then how you can create a solution is right. probably your, your biggest thing, putting out fires um, and networking everything. So like just being in the modeling industry and the photography industry, I was able to bring people on board that I knew could help with certain films where they were just kind of lacking or they didn't have someone to do something. Um, I think a lot of indie industry people, when they first start to uh, you know, create their first film, if they're a writer or a director, um, they haven't really touched all the avenues and the needs that you need to make a film. It's like, Hey, I'm going to go rogue and I'm just going to shoot a film. 
Um, right. And then they realize, <laughs> oh, I'm missing something, or there's there's a right. there's a spot that needs to be filled, and and for you to actually fulfill the film needs. And right. producers, that's kind of what you do. You make sure that all of those spots are filled, and that you have people in play to create the perfect team. You need a team, right. and it it's right. complete teamwork. And um, so. With producing, there's so many different things you can do as a producer. Uh, a lot of people, like you said, they don't really know what a producer does. Right. Um, and every producer is different. That I realize. Um, mm. There's some people who just come in who want to do the creative side of producing. Um, it's a lot more than just the creative side of producing. Uh, there's producing consultants. I do a lot of consulting, mm-hmm. um, helping people, you know, figure out how to right. do pre-production production and post-production okay wow so, does that answer your question uh, or do you need more <laughs> yeah no <laughs> no i i want there's answers a, there, to those I mean, questions there's a lot more there's definitely a lot more so <laughs> yeah well you know i'm pretty i'm pretty sure there's some 15 year old on youtube that can explain this to you but there's something there's something about you know live guests and guests who have experience in this that make the audience really understand or at least listen up a little closer um, you can say whatever you want if you're, you're if you're a blind idiot, but if you if you have some experience behind things, those things are very important for people to know. And, and it, so you started off. Uh, what did you? How did you start off in the industry? In what in what field? Uh, you mean like twenty years ago? Yeah, like twenty <laughs> oh, years ago, exactly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, like <laughs> oh, hold on one sec. Okay, sorry, I had a, a cell call coming through. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry for the interruption. I'm on my phone. No worries. Um, I actually started out as a PA. A PA, yeah. Uh, when I like 20 years ago, like in my early 20s, and I also right. did extra work as a backgrounder. Right. right. Um, did you grow? And, did you grow up in LA? Yes. Well, LA area, Orange County, LA, right. uh, Santa right. Barbara. So. Sure. That's LA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's all LA. Greater LA area. So it was easier for you to get jobs out here because this is this is the media center. It really was. Um I actually lived in Santa Barbara when I was doing the background work. And uh-huh. um I would travel down really early, go out to Van Nuys, um, usually Van Nuys area for whatever we were doing at that time. Nice. Nice. And then you would yeah. just get extra Dedicated. you just get extra jobs? No, that, that, yeah, now that's an educate. Did you did you want to be an actress or something? Is is that the reason why you want to do background work, or did you have some kind of you other know, dreams? I, no, I don't know if that's what the what I was doing. My sister was doing it, and I was doing promotional modeling. You know, like right. that kind of stuff. So um, it was just another uh, job to fill in and create, yeah, and get more money and stuff like that. And, and it was something to test it out. So I like being a part of the set industry and what I did find is I like to be behind the camera versus in front of the camera right now why is that um I think that's just where my comfort level is and also you get older things change so you know for about seven years being in front of the camera um doing that stuff at some point I became a, a photographer and a designer and um I just prefer it there I'm more comfortable and you know, I like the creative aspect it's funny, maybe not haha funny, but it, it does seem to be uh, the, the, tr- the the train of the person who is usually in front of the camera 
exceedingly want to be behind the camera throughout their life. Is that is that what happened yes. to you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I prefer it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, well, because I'm not an actress for one thing. I'm not. Um, yeah. But uh, so I had I created control behind the camera and creating sets right. and doing design, and um, it's just something that is a part of my life and always has been. I wasn't something that I actually searched out to do. I didn't know I was going to be working in the film industry again. I didn't realize I was going to become a producer or an art director. Um, it just kind of fell in my lap and I was like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. Right. So it was, it's kismet. <laughs> right. Now Cruz, now Cruz, your daughter, she, uh, went into a couple films. One of, one of the films, one of the films that we, we made together, which is when the fever breaks, Yes. And a, a bunch of other films. And she's actually grown quite a bit from that film to, to right now. She's, what, 15 years old now. Uh, she was also almost in... 15. What a, yeah. Almost 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't stay children forever. They, they grow pretty damn fast. That's, that's the interesting thing about, about actresses and actors that are, that are of that age. They grow so mm-hmm. fast. It's, inc- it's incredible. I know. It's scary because you look back on things. And, it, and also, as a um, a child actor or a teen actor, um, movies take a while to actually a full right. feature. It take a while for it to actually make it into production and be completed and be put out either in the film, um, cir- you know, the festival circuit or um, be sold for distribution. So, right. you know, if you see when the fever breaks, which we just had our first um, screening in the show, low, Cruz is very young. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah, she's very young. So, um, sadly, it really doesn't um, help her career at this time. But we had so much of her, much you know, prior to that, for a long time ago, that we were able right. to put in her reel uh, to help you know elevate and uh, promote her her work. But um, yeah, so now it's funny if you were to see her like you know go to one of the festivals, no one's going to recognize that she's the child in When the Fever Breaks because. From I think she was we shot this how long ago four or five years ago um, right and, right it was I mean it's about four years ago we wrapped and four years in a child's life it's completely different they do not look the same oh, absolutely and remotely no. the same at all <laughs> <laughs> we were saying that at the, we were saying that screening the Sherlock screen Film Festival about how because they were saying how, how wonderful of an actress she was and I'm like she has, she does not look that way anymore but. Yes, she's an ama- she's an amazing actress. <laughs> so you started off in this, in this festival market uh, so a, a while back. So by the time mm-hmm. you're making When the Fever Breaks, you had other movies coming out like you know Sienna's Choice and Zero Zero and, and Passage. And Passage is the one yeah. film that I, I'm I'm firmly aware of. So how did how did that so that didn't got you involved in the festival market? So how was the festival market like when you first went? Oh gosh. Um, let's see. I think Santa's Choice was the first film that I had that um, was launched into the festival circuit, and um, I I'm lucky to have met so many people. Actually, um, that film really created a great network for me and people that I continue to work with to this day. And I met Linda Palmer. Um, I was already on board with Santa's Choice as a producer with Janelle Tana. Um, she's also the star and the writer of that and producer. 
Um, and she nice. brought me on board. And then she said she wanted to book Linda, um, Linda Palmer as her director. And I didn't know who Linda Palmer was. Um, and she set up a meeting. It just so happens that Linda and I actually, we live in the same town in Long Beach, <laughs> California. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so we met for lunch, and we've been making films together ever since. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, guys, did, you work, did you guys work on Zero Zero as well? No. So Zero Zero was by Randall Whittinghill, um, writer-director as well. Cruz uh, went on audition, and that happened to be here in Long Beach, which is remarkable. There's not a lot of um, auditions in Long Beach, so when we have that opportunity, I'm so stoked on that instead of having to right. drive uh, to L.A. because of traffic. Um, and she got that part. It was it's an incredible short film, um, very moving. Randall has a very keen sense to um, – a female psyche, I would say. He's right. very sensitive to to women's views and women's rights. Hmm. Hmm. That's wonderful. What is the story about? Um, it's a coming of age film, and it's about two people who kind of go through an ab- abandonment in a sense. One is mm-hmm. an adult male, and then she is a young uh, girl. Um, about to go through the change. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. And so um, they find support in the, the oddest way between each other. Um, I don't want to give away the whole film, though. <laughs> right, of it's course, you won't be able to watch it. Yeah, don't give too much away. Yeah, now, Passage. Now, Passage. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying it's a really beautiful film. Um, it's an unlikely story that you would not expect. It has a turn of events, and um, you, they come out being friends, and these two people uh, of polar opposite worlds um, with different experiences in life find uh, oh. friendship within each other. Almost like an odd couple. Yeah, really. It's, it's, yeah. But it's, and, you know, it's got twists and turns, and it's only a short film. I mean, it's got, uh, how long is it? I think we're about uh, short of maybe 14 minutes, um, and it's a big story. And it, it really yeah. makes an impact to the audience. Yeah. Do do you find that these shorter films make make an impact on people? To, like I would say, like Martin Scorsese was saying that uh, you know Marvel films are not films. And I would I would I would like to hear his his point of view on shorter films or on films that are more more art or or more independent. Because if if that is not a movie, then then what is an independent film? Some independent films are like a half an hour, some are forty five minutes, some are ten minutes. Um, what do you think of of the art of it, the independent film and, and where it where it stands today in today's market? Uh, I love independent films. I thrive on them. Um, we don't make it's it's purely for the passion. We're not making money. No one's really making any money on these films. Yeah, but it is really to build up your resume. Um, expand your creative horizons and um, get a feel for how to make films. It's the same as making a huge film. It's just going to be a lot more people, a lot more, you know, finances and expenses. Right. But short films, if you want to make a mark, you want to be seen in this industry and you want to start sharing your work, short films are the way to go. Um, Start building up your 
audience and your fans base. So, um, right. it, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's not an easy task. So it's not something you can just, oh, I'm just going to make a short film. It really is a lot of work. It takes an entire team, um, anywhere from 10 people, which is like the most minimal, <laughs> which I did. Right, right. Uh, really hard to do it with only 10 people but it can be done um and it's still a huge expense it, it's still like a fifteen thousand dollar film with only 10 people on staff um right. in your crew so uh, yeah and it's a lot more work when you, the fewer people you have the more work you have to do so hmm. you know um and you want to have people who are very talented in every single element and they know their job and they and if they know other jobs great but it it's just a lot of work. Um, you know, these are 12, right. 15 hour days for a crew on set, um, setting up, uh, making it happen and then creating a hopefully kick-ass film. And you're going to see some incredible work when you go to these festivals. You'll also see some shitty work, but you know, mm-hmm. it's a learning process. And these people, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on your radio. <laughs> <laughs> Not usually, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, apologies. But you know, it's, it, but it's a learning process for everybody. Yeah. We all start somewhere. So I don't like yes. to judge too much. Uh, right. And it's art is subjective and films are art. So, right. you know, what I might find is a, a fine film. Another person may not agree with me and right. that's fine, but um, we're exposed to so many different ideas and views and um, creative avenues. It's really wonderful and sometimes overwhelming and i love going to festivals because we're filmmakers all trying to make it in some way make an impact creatively and um we all support each other right the network the networking is very important as well because i i I see that one of the ways that you you make yourself known is is that you yourself have a lot of connections because you are kind and friendly and and outgoing and what have you and, and people want to stay connected with you so that's a that's a very I would say that's very important for your job. Well, yeah, for producing, you definitely need to be out there networking, and you need to be making friends and friendships, and it actually will lead to more work. Um, yeah. Not only more work, but uh, other creative juices flowing. You know, um, I love working with a lot of the same people, but I also like to expand and work with new people and different people because I'm always I'm always learning something. It doesn't matter how much I know. There's always something more to learn in the experience right. of creating a film. Right. You know, a, a lot of times right now, or at least in, in a few films, few huge budget films, let's just say Captain Marvel has maybe like a $140 million budget, but they, they hired two independent filmmakers to direct that film. I don't know if you know that. Why no. do you why do you why do you think a big studio would would invest in independent filmmakers for store at least for story wise to, to focus on story wise in a film like that? That's a huge investment. That's a yeah, that's a great investment. I feel like if you're working with independent filmmakers like that, um, they're going to have a different point of view and maybe come up with something new other than just standardized, um, you know, big studio producing where there's going to be more of an emotional attachment to it for them. Right. And I feel like you were probably going to experience something completely different. And um, that might be very interesting for their audience to say, Hey, that's something new. That's a great idea. Um, Right. You know, other, 
I mean, could they be doing it for their budget? That's a possibility, but I doubt it. <laughs> people have lots of money. <laughs> right, right. Yes, yeah. When you get to big studio producing, it's all about the financing and the money and how much, you know, what they can do and how much money they're going to make. Um, independent filmmaking, we're trying to work within a budget, of course, um, but we're not doing it for the money. We're doing it purely for the art. 99% right. of us are. Do we want to make money one day? Do we all want to, like, yes, everyone wants to have that film that's going to elevate their career, but it is, it's always about the art, and that's what independent well, would, filmmakers do. Would you say the reason why Hollywood is tapping, like, young, young independent uh, directors is, is because of their passion, because of their attachment to their work? Of course. I, I would say 100%. Hmm. That's interesting. Also, maybe opening the market to the younger, you know, the millennials, um, uh, younger people who follow that. So I think, I think you know, big studios can be scrutinized by um, society sometimes, and so maybe they're right. just trying to open that, you know, open the platform to have like more viewers. Um, I don't know. It's it's a very complicated industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me let me let, let me ask you this one question. You know, I, as I saw from a couple festivals, I mean, a lot of younger people are are way more savvy on how to make a film based on on their YouTube experience, based on on what they've seen, done, interacted with. So when I was there, I saw a lot of very young people uh, making films that were way more way beyond their years. And so do you, do you, what, what do you think of this YouTube generation coming into the small film festivals and what have you, do you, do you think it, they, it does lend them a hand to have this resource? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, they basically grew up with it. I feel like, uh, they already know they've learned how to create, um, content and footage and produce it all on their own from right. a very grass root level. And they may not know all the ins and outs of, you know, maybe especially post-production sometimes or how to get their film out there. But I feel like they do. I mean, they're way more savvy than most of us. And we're, we're working backwards. We worked from film and, like, actual real film. We didn't have digital. We didn't have Internet when we were all starting. Right. So, um, you know, they, they have a different play, level playing field. They're a little ahead of us. Um, creatively, though, I think it doesn't matter age. Age is not change creativity. Like I work, I'm in my 40s, and I work with people anywhere from 20s to 60s. You know, um, it doesn't matter what our our ages are. Um, right. People are creating. You're either a creative person or you're not. Um, you either have a talent or a niche, or you don't. Right. Right. So it has it has changed. I mean, to me, that that that's a drastic change. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, it's a, it's a definitely a drastic change, but um, I, I'm not going to say that just the young, the young kids are going to be the ones who are going to be making all the films that successful independent right. films, but um, they might just have a little bit of a different playing field or different um, insight. It, to them, it's going to sound so easy to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you know that that's one you know that's one of the problems they have in the Olympics. One of the reasons why they don't allow like um, 
gymnasts like they had those Chinese gymnasts that were like nine years old and eight years old and, and ten years old. And it was it was a huge hoopla. But one of the reasons why was that those girls didn't have any fear. They were too young to understand what fear was. So when you went up against like like fifteen year old and sixteen year old girls on, on the playing field of gymnastics, those girls could absolutely feel fear, regret, you know, different emotions that that haven't been developed. So that's one of the reasons why it was kind of unfair uh, in a way. I don't see this. I don't see it being the same way in film, but I do. I do see young people bringing a, a completely different uh, genre or a completely different way of perceiving film right now, especially in independent films. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. So wh- what is the next movie you're working on right now? I see you have the stronger and you have Grimshaw coming out as well. So, so Grimshaw is completed, right? Grimshaw's already out. Uh, oh. I'm sure on our IMDb, yes. It, it, so here's a recommendation for anyone who's got their films and they're doing the festival circuit. You know, um, a lot of the festivals, you have a, a limitation of when your film is released of how long it can run in, in the circuit with certain festivals. So oh. when you complete a film, it, it could be completed, say it's actually, it's locked and, you know, ready to load right now. But if it hasn't gotten to a festival, it hasn't really premiered. And in the festival, so it's a completed film, but it hasn't premiered um, until it actually gets its first premiere out in the festival. So Mm -hmm. on your IMDb, you keep it um, listed as such. So, and also if you haven't, if you're going to do distribution or or like self-distribution or, um, distribution through someone else, it really, it's not out still. It still is right. considered out. So right. I know that on Grimshaw, we have not gone through distribution um, and it still shows the, stat- the status is only completed, but it is done with its festival circuit. We already, we did a full year of that. Um, right. And now we'll probably be moving on to self-distribution and having it on Amazon is our goal. Right. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Um when you when you finish Grimshaw, you finish this film, and you're going, okay, I want to bring it to the festival market. How do you decide which festival you want to go to? How, how do you decide where where are you? I mean, other than, is it based on the contacts that you've made before that you do you know you know where you're going to make it, or or do you, is there a central lookup where you look up like where you can go to festivals? How do you how do you do that? Okay, so there is um, Film Freeway which has majority of the festivals listed there. And that's usually how you're going to submit. There's also without a box, but I thought without Mm. out of box is about to go out of business. I'm not sure. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I thought that was the rumor at least over a year ago. (laughs) Right. Um, right. So we use a lot of us. Yeah. So a lot of us use an online platform called uh, film freeway where you can see all the festivals when they're um, accepting submissions and also what their platform is. Some are for horror-specific. You know, they have genre-specific festivals. Um, some are for, you know, they, they focus on dramatics, whatever it is, or comedy. Um, and then there's all, the all-encompassing right. festivals as well. And it's pretty much about research. Of course, we all know the big ones. And that's going to be TIFF. That's going to be uh, Sundance and Con and all of that, right? Mm. Um yeah. Yeah. And we all, I mean, I think majority of our films we have submitted to most, you know, the bigger ones, you just, you want to do it regardless. Um, 
what you have to understand right. is how many thousands and thousands and thousands of submissions go to these bigger platform festivals right. with the big celebrities. And the possibility of even being viewed or screened, even though they all say they're going to be screened, yeah, there's no guarantee they're actually going to be screened for um, consideration. That's right. what we found out. Yeah. Um, and then, well, you know, and they're I... basically – well, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just saying, we just basically do our due diligence of, like, researching the festivals that interest us. We want to have a broad base. We want to go across the nation. We want to do international. We want the films to be viewed as much as possible. And you go through your hierarchy of listing of, like, which ones you really, really, really want to submit to that you would, like, what are your your bucket list festivals, basically, is right. like dream festivals that you would like to. And then you um, go through different tiers. And I create tiers of list of festivals for each um, each film because hmm. every film's different. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I just came back. I just came back from AFM, and I've been going there this entire weekend. Have you been to AFM before? A long time ago, I haven't gone recently, and I was going to go this year, but I'm definitely going next year. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it, it is, it's timing. Yeah, it is timing. It is. It's literally crazy. You you walk in there, you, it's amazing to see how much media is being made on a daily basis. Exactly, and you want to go there with um, content that you're ready to sell to. So, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like I mean that's where you're going to get the best benefit if you're going to go to AFM. Um, but it's it's similar to a conference, you know, it's like a film conference, and you go there and they have classes and courses for you to learn um, how to sell your film, you know, how to pitch your film, all that right. stuff. So it's a great resource for um, filmmakers or people who are wanting to become filmmakers. Uh, it's an right. investment, but it's, it's I think it's worth it though for the most part. I agree. I agree. What. It, it looked very stuffy. I mean, you you literally walk down a passageway, and there's every single room is filled with a mo- movie or movies plural. Uh, but what, what was staggering to me was, you know, we can no longer really call things movies, technically speaking, because a lot of these films up here are going to show up on VOD, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and whether it's a movie and whether it's just straight out media. Is it just? It's just one of those questions that I have these days. Of, you know, does that make sense to you? Oh no, I get it. Yeah, um, I guess the lines are blending now. Yeah. With um, now the media being like with, via Netflix, you know, Netflix shows right. shows and shows miniseries. They have films. Um, right. And they also have shorts on there too. So uh, right. yeah, there's so many. The barriers and the, the the media lines are definitely blending now, um, but I think it's really elevated the content that we see. And I mean, gosh, there's so much great work. I I invest way too much time watching Netflix now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what shows have you watched recently that you liked? Oh my gosh, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I saw Queer Eye in, Queer Eye in Japan. That was a great, that was a great series. Oh, really? I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a guilty pleasure, I would think. That's, that's one of those kind of shows, guilty pleasure. You know, like the Real Housewives <laughs> of 
whatever. <laughs> you know, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think for myself that I would watch a show like Queer Eye and get all emotional. But like, they really talk to these people and, and really center them down and get into the spiritual aspect and every every aspect of their lives to help them out. I'm like, wow, this is they're pretty special human beings. So that's one of those shows that I I, I didn't expect to like. It's it, but I you know I wouldn't consider it like The Bachelor or anything like that. Yeah, no, I don't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch I that actually kind of gave up, I gave up cable TV, um, you know, when Amazon and Netflix all of a sudden, you know, just were creating such awesome content. I'm like, I don't right. have time for this other crap. So, um, right. But there's also, you know what, though? It's actually challenged the networks like ABC, CBS, and NBC, um, Fox, all of them to create better content. Because when I have gone back, like, randomly, I'll be like, oh, and I flash through, I'm like, oh, that's a great show. Um, right. So, I mean, there's so much talent out there. It's amazing. Right. Do you, do you see any of your, your future episodes, future films, future series going to like Apple Plus or Disney Plus or, or, anything, like, or anything like that, like Amazon? Is, is that something you would like? Um, I, I'm hoping some of our content will make it to Amazon. I mean, we have some stuff on there. Like Linda Palmer has um, quite a few of her stuff available right. uh, her films are available on amazon um and i'd like for our short films to do that and what 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 i have been noticing working with other people in their um on their work some of their content they've actually been when they've pitched their film um they do a lot of people start with a short and they'll have a full feature written out and when they're pitching it people are saying hey you should make this made for tv like it should be um let's break it down and make um a series out of it because nice. with Netflix, yeah, so um, you ha- they have that ability to do that now. So short films are kind of that, that entry platform of getting your work seen, your talent um, seen, and hopefully it's either going to elevate you to a full, you know, a feature film or it's going to elevate you to a series on Netflix right. or Hulu or something like that. And I think really that's where the media is going now. Um, people really... I mean, we we all love films, but those are usually big blockbuster ones that are going to be out in the theater. Um, not a lot of independent films are out in the in the theaters unless they're in the film circuit. So I think they're trying to. It seems some of this content is being moved into and shifting it into um, either miniseries or a series uh, or short term series out on Hulu or Netflix. And a lot of these stories can be broken down that way. So they're right. creating franchises with their work, which is amazing. So where do you, where do you see yourself in like, let's just say 10 years with your career? Where, where do you, where do you want to take it? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's well, put a wish list together. Gosh, right. Uh, well, I want to continue producing, of course, and just working, um, through the industry, I would actually, you know, I've never done TV and that's a totally different beast. I feel like, um, mm. and I think it also would be different working, um, and not network TV. I'd probably, you know, I would love to probably work on content within like Netflix. I really love her. They put out some great stuff. They um, do. So, you know, that might be the next step possibly. Um, yeah. I've considered possibly maybe creating and directing maybe one day. We'll see. 
Nice. <laughs> so you're thinking about directing yourself. Nice. I might. I might want. I might. Have, I, I will definitely try it. How's that? I know I will try it at some point in my life. <laughs> I don't know how soon that will be. I really do love producing though. I like it, and I like doing everything. Yeah. That I I'm lucky to do. I do you know a lot of the design work, the creative side, but um, I like creating teams and helping people yeah. fulfill their dream of getting their film out there. That's special. That's nice. Now you make a great director. You've got the you've got the right attitude for it. And when you know what you want, you you, you definitely go for it. Well, thank you. We'll see. <laughs> I, I'm, saying, I'm putting that out there for the future, like you said, in ten years or something like that. Uh, right now, I'd like to just continue to hone my skills and help others, like I have. And I love learning from other people as well, and I like teaching people as well. So, you know, it's a give and take. Where, where, where are you going from here? So what's what's next for you? Uh, right now we are in post-production for The Stronger, um, mm. another film by Randall Whittinghill. And this is going to be – this is going to be one of those that's going to hit the, in the festival circuit pretty hard. I think it's going to really move really? a lot of people. It's, yeah, it's about sexual assault in the military and bringing awareness to that and creating, hopefully, a voice for um, people who have been affected by sexual assault. Wow. So, that's yeah. A, that's a it's very a, strong subject. Yeah. And we had, you know, it's, um, it's a strong subject, but it's also a hard subject to work around and maneuver with respect because you don't want to disrespect our military, um, our service people, men and women, who sacrifice their lives to represent and honor freedom and but sexual assault happens everywhere and from people who i've spoken to who are um you know served in the military they said that it you know it is a (laughs) it's an issue that really needs to be focused on and um it needs to be addressed because it's something that has continued to happen um over the years Excuse me, I almost got hit by a car just now. I'm sitting in my car. <laughs> oh, okay. I almost did. <laughs> like, wow, okay. <laughs> so, um, so now I lost my train of my thought because I almost died just now. <laughs> so you're, you're talking about the, you're t- <laughs> Don't die. Don't die. Don't this, this car just came plowed, like straight into my, like almost hit my door. <laughs> All right. This is real life in the making, guys. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking about your film that you're working on. You're yes. working on post record right now, yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's a touchy subject, but it does need to be addressed. And um, we have uh, been getting a lot of information from Protect Our Defenders, and we would like to help people who have been affected direct them to a source where they can get help or get information. Yes. And um, this film is just really—it's going to create some waves and i hope it you know creates waves of calmness in the end um for those who who really need you know need their voices heard and the film is called the stronger right yes hmm. and, and who's stars, it directed by again uh, randall whittinghill who did zero zero okay. and which okay. cruise my daughter was in um nice. and it's we it's only a cast of two um oh. it's an impactful okay. story it's an, going to be a 10 minute short um again he knows how to 
put a lot of it's not really content, but the story can be developed right. into so much more just from this 10 minute short film. And right. you're going to walk away with something with a lot of emotions and, um, you know, hopefully some inspiration as well. Right. That's nice. I can't, I can't tell you too much about it though. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but so it's in, po- it's, that's in post right now. Yes, that's in post. And so it will be um, making it to the film festival circuit quite soon. Um, I'm hoping we will have something, maybe a premiere in January or February would be my goal. Nice. Nice. Really nice. Well, tell you know, I love talking to you. I, I can talk to you all, all day long. I mean, these are very fascinating subjects for me. I love listening to the interaction, little 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 things that you need to do in order to become a producer. It's, it's it's one of those fields that I think that is very misunderstood. I think a lot of yes. people see yes. producers as like busybodies, you know, like getting involved where they shouldn't get involved. But that's that is not really the truth. No, um, you know, I, there is a huge misconception. I think what a producer is, especially if you haven't made a lot of films or been in the industry long enough um, to see what happens behind the scenes. Um, a lot of, you know, I have people send me stuff and say, I'd like you to produce my film. And what they really say, I want you to pay for my film. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Um, and that's not what producers actually do. Um, yes, we will help find funding for your film or teach you how to raise funds via, you know, um, campaigning. I've done a lot of campaigns. Um, they're a nightmare. They're not fun, but it's right. a good way for you to get funding for your film. Um, it's just excruciatingly painful for anyone who want, who thinks they're going to go raise like $500,000. Good luck. Yes, you can, <laughs> but it's a lot of work. <laughs> right. Sounds like a nightmare. It, it, it's probably the worst part of the responsibility is trying to get the funds available for you to make a film. So whether it be private funding, a lender um, where you borrow oh. the money, um, investors where you still have to pay back and get a return on investment or, you know, just raising campaign funds. Um, one thing you, you won't be able to get real investors, investors for short films though, because there's no return on investment for a short film. There's no money yet to make out of it. Um, right. Short films are basically to build up your resume, um, show what you can do and, you know, and hopefully maybe, you know, elevate yourself to get, you can even get that distributed or self-distributed and then possibly get signed for a full feature film. Right. That's interesting. So tell us, mm-hmm. you know, how can we, how can we get in touch with you? How can we find you on, on social media? Uh, do you have an Instagram? Do you have a Facebook? Do you have anything that you're usually on that we can, we can focus on? Yes. Um, you can find me on my website, uh, refinedrebel.studios. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Chris D-R-S-D, Refined Rebel. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, a lot of great insight. 
You know, okay, cool. I hope so. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't I didn't ask you a question that I do I do ask other people though. If you can go back to to that twenty year old self, that that self before when you were first working in Hollywood, is there any advice you would have given that person now, opposed to how how you are now? Uh, yeah, you know, I think you know it has a lot to do the way things are done now versus back then. Um, where because we have internet and social media, it's so much more accessible. I wish right. we could have had that back then. It would have made it a lot easier for a lot of people. Um, right. But, you know, I think it was really easier when I was 20 to see barriers. You right. know, like everything at that time, um, just because we don't have, we didn't have social media, it, it was harder. It was much harder. Like you're right. basically hitting the we hit the pavement, you know, we passed out headshots and comp cards and <laughs> did go sees and did herd calling. And we did that kind of stuff. Um, and it wasn't, and now it's much easier, much more organized, much more accessible. And, you know, I wish we had that back then, but we didn't, but I also, you know, I could have, we could have been more gun ho and I could have said, you know, if you see a barrier. Oh, I can't do that. I don't have that experience. Oh, I need to go to school or I need to do that. No, you don't really. It, I could have gained more experience had I just pushed forward and been a little bit more tenacious, like I am now. Right. Right. I guess that's what I would have done back then. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Chris Smagel, thank you very much for joining us today. Have yourself a great thank weekend. Thank you. Huh? You too. All right. And I'll see you at the festival circuit for our next one on When the Fever Breaks. I will see you very soon on that on that market, and we'll also have you on again for those films. And the next film you have okay. on for 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 definitely for the for the film that you're talking about, I like to have you back on the show. And that sounds very the the stronger sounds very intriguing to me. I mean, everyone, I'm very excited about all the work that I've been able to be a part of. Um, everyone's so talented, and I love them all. So it's been it's been awesome working with all of the creative juices and people out there they're all unique and just amazing people yeah thank you so much thank you so much for coming on have yourself a great weekend okay you too thank you bye-bye all right that's chris right there oh she was fantastic wasn't she i love hearing information from people especially about producing because producing is one of those Definitely one of those jobs that people just don't know, uh, you know, what to do, uh, what are their jobs, um, what are they looking at, you know, how do I, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people wanting to become producers and I, I, I don't laugh, but it's just, come on, dude, it takes way more than, than what you're thinking of. So it was nice to listen to Chris and, and tell her. And have us have her tell us, you know, what she thought. Well, I just had a full conversation. I can't even speak now. Look at me. <laughs> so, did you enjoy the conversation, guys? Give us a call. Well, not now because the show's over. You can give us a call next week. <laughs> I enjoyed that conversation. I love going to the festival market. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us this weekend. My name is Steve Pisa for Cinema Files Radio. I really hope you have a fantastic weekend. Stay close to your family. Tell the people you do that you love them. And just be a good person. And also, Terminator Dark Fate was not a good film. (laughs) I wish that it was, though. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Have yourself a great weekend.